She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and we have Vera Tarman and today we're talking about how to finally kick your food addiction forever and how to do intermittent fasting if you have a food or sugar addiction and how you actually can be sugar free for life. So welcome. Hi there. Thank you for asking me to come on to this podcast. So let's talk a little bit about First of all, you know, we, we've all heard that an addiction to sugar and flour can be as bad as an addiction to alcohol or tobacco or even cocaine. So I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. I know that you've had an incredible weight loss journey for yourself and how you did it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say, first of all, that I, I'm an addictions physician and, um, uh, the reason why I am so happy to speak for you today and uh, in other venues is because I see in my professional world uh, where I deal with a lot of addiction like alcohol and cocaine, I see a lot of people struggle with their um, addiction in that they put it down and their immediate solution is to eat sugar. And they all say to me, I can't believe I'm eating this way. Um, I didn't used to eat this way, but now I am. And it's always chocolate bars and it's always chips and it's always things that aren't, aren't good for me. And I just can't help myself. And um, they will say to me, and this is not one person, this is a number of people who have said, my cocaine addiction, my crystal meth addiction was easier to quit than the sugar addiction, which is now developed. And that, that was something that I saw on a regular basis at work. And it reminded me of my own personal story uh, where, um, you know, like many young women um, in university, I wanted to, I don't think I was overweight at that point, but I thought I was. And I got into a um, binge purge cycle. Um, I got, I, um, got into um, uh, a cycle of trying to lose the weight and then uh, finding that every time I lost the weight, I gained back more. And so I ended up uh, in medical school uh, gaining uh, 100 pounds more than I am now. And at that time, I thought, like so many people, I guess that's just my genetics. That's just the way it goes. I can't help it. Uh, and um, it wasn't until many years later reading addiction stuff, seeing these people uh, in front of me um, that I connected my own dots. And at that time, there was already some writing uh, that was talking about, oh, you know, this is just a valid addiction in the same way as a, a cocaine addiction is. So it kind of all merged together um, maybe 15 or 20 years ago. And I followed my own um, advice and it's worked since then. So let's talk about what a typical day looks like for you of your eating and what do you kind of take off the table. One of the things I always say that I talk about in my book is I talk about red light foods, yellow light foods, yeah. and green light foods. So for me, there's some things that are just red light. Like I just take them off the table. I don't allow myself to eat them. Certain things that are yellow light that I say, you know, every once in a blue moon, I'll go ahead and have a little bit. And then these are my green light foods that I just really choose to make sure that I fill my body up with these. 
Yeah. So I, I bet we're going to have the same uh, lists um, uh, in parallel. Um, I uh, definitely my red light foods and in food addiction, it's almost universal is uh, any kind of sugar or flour. Um, so that would mean obvious sugar and candy and, and you know, pros processed processed foods. Um, uh, so that would be like anything from overt candy chocolate bars that sort of thing all the way to chips and bread and pasta and um uh, uh, uh processed foods basically um and then the um i guess what you would call yellow light uh, and i i say um uh, at, at a certain point like what what i would define as red light is what are my trigger foods what are the foods that make me when i have it i just want more it's, it's not not so much that it's not healthy it's just i can't stop at just having one um and even if i do stop i'm obsessing about it because in the food addiction paradigm we're always asking it's not about the weight it's not about the timing it's about the am i obsessed about my food um thinking about meals outside of meal times that sort of thing um so sugar and flour almost inevitably people are struggle with that and then there's the um next range of food which is i would say it's along the continuum of food addiction that's what a lot of people call the uh, yellow foods um would be the grain and dairy um and some types of vegetables that you might not be able to eat anymore like corn or you know or something like soy even um that would be in the middle and then um the are basically any um, uh, vegetables um, and some fruit, like berries, but within a, um, I would say, a discrete amount or a moderate amount of fruit, and then um, uh, vegetables. So that would be like vegetable, uh, pardon me, lettuce and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts, that kind of stuff. Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to chantelrayway.com slash wine and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing. You can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're gonna have wine, to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no added only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at chantelrayway.com slash wine. So one of the things that you mentioned is dairy. And so for me, I know for me, I feel my absolute best when I have fruit, vegetables and non-starchy vegetables. Yes. Like I don't eat corn or potatoes or stuff like that, but non-starchy vegetables and meat. Yes. And that's pretty much my diet. So I figure out how I can feel completely satisfied. So it's like whatever I really want, but I have that, you know? Yeah. So explain to me when you said dairy, I know the only reason why I don't have dairy is because I have 
some skin issues. I feel like my skin flares up and I feel like I just, I don't feel as good when I have it. So, but what I'm hearing you say is you feel like there's people who, when they start eating dairy, they just can't stop. So when maybe they start having cheese and it's like, they're going to have three blocks of cheese before they're ever going to stop. So can you expand on that? Yeah, that's exactly it. I also forgot to say in that yellow area is grains. So some people can eat grains and a lot of people can't. Um, uh, but anyway, to get back to the dairy, uh, that's exactly it. There are some some dairy uh, that people just uh, struggle and cheese is the big one, super big. Uh, and there's probably, there is uh, something called casomorphine. Um, there is a chemical in there that has an opiate-like effect. And, uh, you know, with a moderate amount or a minimal amount, it probably doesn't have that much impact. But if you're eating three blocks of cheese, it is. Um, and, uh, but that's a, that, that's a trigger food that some people can do and or they can do it in extreme moderation. Like they may actually weigh out or say, I have a cup of it and that's it. And if they can stop at the cup, it's good. Um, it's fine. So... In, a, in the food addiction world, we have food coaches, we have um, sponsors if you're actually going to use a 12-step program. We have, uh, um, uh, you know, dietitians who are aware of the food addiction, because most of them aren't, are, are aware of the food addiction um, food plan. Um, and that's one of the areas where there's the individual tweaking. So you um, may find that you can eat yogurt, but you can't eat cheese. Um, so we have to sort of work with it. it it ends up being uh where is the trigger and the question is always unlike a keto where it's you know is is my insulin being spiked we ask is my obsession being spiked they're often the same thing the same thing happens but our main question is um uh, are you able to stop and be fine with the stop so i love that and i love that are you able to stop and are you okay with the stop? So I want you to really talk about mentally what goes on yes. in somebody. And I want you to walk walk us through the mental process, like that cycle that happens that allows somebody to binge. Can you go yeah. over that? Yeah, so that that's uh, that's the big thing is the binge. Um, so in the food addiction world, unlike the eating disorder world, where we they look at a person who's binging or struggling with food as a, as a um, using food as a way to deal with emotional distress. In the food addiction world, we say um, you can be emotionally distressed and use food, but you can also be happy or sad, or it, it doesn't really matter what the mood is because it's the food that you put into your mouth. And uh, the trigger foods, the red light foods, um, trigger um, uh, the neurochemistry in our brain, which is in the reward pathway of our brain, the mid-center of our brain that we call the limbic system. And the primary player is the neurochemical dopamine. And dopamine is the uh, neurochemical that we all have uh, and that is attached to food um, so that I know my dopamine is turned on as it were whenever I'm starting to think about, fantasize, prepare, look forward to something that I'm going to do, like maybe eat. Um, so the moment I'm a little bit hungry, dopamine, there's a sort of little buzz of dopamine that's making me now start to think about my food with anticipation. Because dopamine is the neurochemical of anticipation. Um, and and uh, so hunger can actually spur that on, which is one of the things that I hope we talk about a bit later. Um, but 
also the way to turn that on is to take a drug, which is, you know, dopamine. So I, I take a drug, um, whether it be sugar or tobacco or alcohol, cocaine. Um, and if I um, uh, take it and then I still want more, that means that the dopamine has been enhanced. And the whole thing about addiction is that it's an abnormal heightened dopamine response. So somebody could eat sugar and feel the pleasure of sugar and maybe, oh, I'm looking forward to the rest of this plate. Um, but for the food addict, um, which is the impaired dopamine response, um, they now want it even more. And then the more they eat, the more they want, even if they actually don't want it anymore uh, because they're full or they're feeling sick. Um, <clears throat> the dopamine is so high that um, and the expression of that is the feeling of want. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, uh, so I can take a drug. And I've, I've had people say this uh, to me. Many times, crack, I don't even want it. And I'm still wanting it, which is the dopamine. I'm, I'm, I'm feeding. I'm, I'm overfilling. I'm to the point where I have to purge. I have to throw up because I, I'm so sick. And, but you still want it. It's like an itch that can't uh, be scratched. Um, scratch. That's the obsession and that's dopamine. And we see that uh, sugar enhances that. So I just, I'm fine. I'm sitting here. I have a little bit of sugar and now the switch of dopamine turns on. And that's, the, that, that's why we use dopamine as a, you know, like a diabetic would look at their sugar or their insulin response. We're looking at our dopamine response and the dopamine is want. Do I want more? Then the dopamine is high. So what do you think about with fruit? Do you think most of the people that you talk with do when they have fruit, like, do they just go crazy and eat, you know, more and more fruit or are most people able to control themselves once they have start having fruit or does their blood sugar kind of spike and then they just want more and more? Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it really depends on the I, I want to say the damage, the level of food addiction that's developed. I think in a, a normal world, and we're not living in a normal world because most of us have grown up on eating foods that have destroyed some of our normal um, protections already. But uh, in, in a perfect environment, um, the, the fruit, the food, the vegetables, the fruit and vegetables have within themselves enough um, um, structural uh, components so that I will, will only eat as much as is safe for me to eat. Like, I mean, it, you know, it might be cherry season and the first day I go crazy or watermelon and I eat a ton of, a ton of it, but the next day I feel sick and I'm not going to do that because I'm eating it within the structure, the, all the fiber, all the fluid. Um, and, and that's fine. Um, if, if I have a, an addiction and so, so the dopamine is there and I enjoy the dopamine, but there's enough other stuff happening um, to keep me, uh, you know, the checks and balances are in place. Um, when, the ch when the checks and balances are off, um, then I, um, that, that desire for sweet, even though I'm full, I'm not going to want to eat more watermelon now. I might still want more, but I might then say, you know what, I need something else. Now I want something else, something sweeter, something where I can get more of the dopamine, but not feel as sick. So um, it depends on where you are. So if you can eat, some people can eat watermelon. And this is where the, uh, the, the food coach fits in is to say, how were you when you had that? Um, just like some people can eat um, 
that stuff. But if they're not diabetic, they're okay. But if they are, those foods have to go off. So there are some foods that are just too, like we don't encourage bananas, for example, far too sweet. Um, we usually discourage uh, cherries, but berries are not bad. That You know, blueberries and strawberries aren't bad. There might be for some people though. Hey guys, I really want you to join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. So how do you stop denying yourself and start enjoying life with mouth-watering healthy foods and changing your mindset? Because I think the number one trigger that I think leads to a binge is the feeling of being denied. So can you expand on that? I will. Uh, that, 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 that is a, uh, um, a really important point. So um, first of all, um, the, if, if, you're, if you're sitting there, you know, going to Starbucks and you look at the lineup of uh, all the treats there and, you know, you're on a diet, you've started your diet, it's going to feel like denial. So, so those are not real foods. Those are sugar concocted. I mean, we call them drugs. They, you know, the, 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 the fructose and the the glucose, all the stuff that, that it's been, it's been uh, engineered in such a way that you're getting far more than the liver and the brain can handle and, and the pancreas can handle. So you're getting overwhelmed and you're getting this dopamine response. Then when you don't have it, that deprivation is deprivation, but we call it withdrawal. It's, it's the same as the alcoholic really wants a drink the next day because, you know, they want that, uh, that, that um, um, morning drink to sort of quell their anxiety and their shakes and the cocaine addict want, they don't want to crash. So they want to keep using, um, that is called withdrawal. And that withdrawal lasts the same as any other drug two or three weeks. And then the feeling of deprivation is gone. So, you know, you, you think about it, it's quite possible that somebody can walk into that Starbucks a year later and look at that stuff and go, Oh my God, that, is just disgusting. I couldn't eat that. I'd feel sick. Um, what, what they're, they're not sitting there going home feeling deprived. They're then going to just exactly using the words you used um, to their meal, which is delicious and exciting because it's fruits and vegetables, which is what our body was made for. Like we have enough dopamine. Um, you know, our, our, this dopamine that I'm talking about was built for natural foods. And so we can love um, lettuce and cucumbers and tomatoes and whatever it is that you're eating, uh, meat and, and uh, uh, fish, um, because those are life enhancing. That's what dopamine is meant to do. Anticipate to do things that are good for me. So, let's go back to the original um, um, way of being and we'll love that food. But when it's been hijacked um, and I have the, I I have so much tolerance that eating um, an apple is just, will will not be the same as eating an apple fritter because the apple fritter is more, but once the apple fritter is gone, the apple is delicious again. So what we what most people call deprivation and denial, we say is withdrawal and it will pass. So we just have to help people in that first few weeks. Uh, 
I think that one of the things that I liked what you said is when you look at the foods that are filled with chemicals and you look at it as not a real food. So in my book, I call it chemical city. Like if I look at that, I'm like, oh, that isn't real food. That is just a bunch of chemicals and a bunch of muck. And you change your mindset around that. I, I had a burger. I made these burgers and I've got to share my recipe, but it's literally you take onions and all you do is you take onions, you put it in a pureeer and you pull out all the water. So once you like puree it out, so all you're left with is like the onion, like all the liquid is gone. And then you mix it up with the meat and you make patties, let it marinate for about 24 hours and put some salt and pepper and put it on the grill. And I made some, you know, lettuce wrapped burgers and, you know, I had no cheese on it. I fried up some, um, a little bit of onions, like fresh onions. <laughs> yeah. And tomato and fresh pickles. And it was just to die for. I mean, literally everyone was like, that is the best burger I've ever had. And so when you're making yourself these meals that, you know, it was with grass fed beef and it was just like amazing. And when you can make yourself those meals and you feel so good, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Like, why would I ruin it with a bun that is old, stale and made, you know, it just doesn't, it didn't need it. And can I ask you a question? Yeah. When you finished that burger, did you want more and more or weren't you satisfied? I was perfectly satisfied. I had one burger and I think we had uh, Brussels sprouts and broccoli. So we had a side of Brussels sprouts, a side of broccoli and that lettuce wrapped burger. And we were every, my son, my, it was great. My son and my husband literally looked at me and they were like, that is the best burger I've ever had. It was that good. And, and see, so what you did there, um, just to illustrate this, is you y- y- you followed sort of our natural, um, the way that we're supposed to enjoy, the way that dopamine was built, which was to make you go to the effort to do all that work that you did, you know, the squeezing out of the liquid and the frying it all up and all that stuff. Uh, and then you had the, the pleasure of eating it, which is dopamine too. And then you were satisfied. The dopamine did its job but there wasn't more in there because it wasn't chemical and it wasn't engineered to be more so that you would want more and more and more. If you had the bun, I bet you, you would have wanted a little bit more of something, even though you're obviously full. And, and that's, that's how, that's what we're looking for when we talk about food serenity and food sobriety. Uh, you know, it's, it's, these are the terms what we use in the food addiction world. We want to be able to want the food enough to look forward to it, enjoy it like you just described, and then be able to put it down and move on to the next thing. Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audio book for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at chantelrayway.com and you'll get the audio book right away. I love that term that you just used, food serenity, because that is just really like you kind of, like you said, when you're done eating, you want to feel like, ah, I'm, I'm done. I'm at peace. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I need more. I need more. I need more. And like that, that anxious feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not feeling deprived. 
when, when I hear somebody say deprived, I'm thinking, what are they eating? Because something is pushing that button that shouldn't be. Mm. So let's talk about intermittent fasting a little bit. And just so you know, for me personally, I when I was in my early 20s for probably four years, maybe more, I can't remember. It was really when I was going through college. College was a very stressful time for me. I had my was getting my degree in math. And math was always very easy for me. So like I could, in in high school, you know, I'd do calculus with my eyes closed. But as you start getting into higher, higher levels of math, it gets really hard. And then I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, why am I a math major? This is, this is getting really tough. And then, because then I started turning to food for comfort because I was so stressed out. I was in these, I was like the only girl with like one other girl possibly with all these guys. And I just felt out of my league and out of my comfort zone. And I've, I got straight A's in school and never tried. So I then just started turning to food for comfort and I created a bulimic. I was started becoming bulimic because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. I'm gaining weight. And I did. And then I would just, you know, then eat, you know, 10 donuts and throw them up. And then, you know, I've, so I've struggled with food addiction and, and bulimia and thank God I haven't, um, I haven't thrown up since, you know, back when I was in college, but I really want to talk about what you have to do to get yourself to the point where you say, I'm not doing that again. And I'm kind of drawing a line in the sand that says, I'm not, I'm not crossing that line anymore. Yeah. So I think one of the, one of the things that's really important is uh, I, I would imagine this is, I don't know if it's the same in the intermittent fasting world is uh, that, that, that with the food addiction, it's about the obsession. So like I'm searching for that experience that you described where you, you're hungry, you eat, you're full, you know, that's, that's the pattern we want. Um, and if um uh, so, so what we're always trying to do is um, like, like a binge is a binge just because you're so freaked out about your environment. And so you need to eat to kind of distract yourself. Or is it that you're trying to get that dopamine pleasure uh, to soothe? And it's not just dopamine, it's endorphin, it's serotonin, it's a few other neurochemicals, all of which are, are meant to make us feel good and safe and happy. And if you're using food for that, you're using food for a neurochemical like medication. And, and, uh, uh, medication in that food in that way you become tolerant and then you become dependent it's not a good plan of action um so if, if you the way that you described it the, the way that you did it even though there was a lot of eating disorder patterns like binge eating or, or uh, bulimia I, I bet you that there was a lot of food addiction as well because you weren't binging on brussels sprouts you were binging on crap Right. Your chemical toxicity stuff, um, which is giving you that drug high. Um, and, oh my gosh, I got lost. Where, where was I going with that? Well, we were talking about just how to tie intermittent fasting. Yes, and right, like right. for me, for yeah. me personally, intermittent fasting was is such a great tool because I, I believe for people who have food addictions, it's really powerful. I've seen so many people helped because they... They understand, like, I'm not even starting to eat. 
until let's say they say I'm not eating until 12 o'clock or I'm not eating till one o'clock. Now, all of a sudden it really is like, okay, well, we don't even have to think about food right now. I'm, I'm taking that off the table and that is a freeing experience right there and giving you that serenity, food serenity right there. Absolutely. So what what you've done is you've remove the expectation, which is the anticipation, which therefore you can't obsess about. So that's what I was actually going to. If you're doing the intermittent fasting for weight loss or only, and similarly with food addiction, you're trying to deal with your issue. Um, you're saying, oh my God, I'm eating too much and I, I'm gaining weight. If the focus is on weight loss, it won't work. It just will not work. And I don't mm-hmm. think it will work for intermittent fasting either because people will end up abusing that tool by fasting more than they should, for example, or, or something like that. And similarly with food addiction, it's it's about what are the foods, what are the behaviors that make me obsess? And if you say, um, I can, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, hunger uh, triggers dopamine, but um, eating cereal triggers dopamine even more because it's just crap, it's tech chemical. Um, so if you can figure out what works for you so that you're, um, your desires are appropriate, which means you can you can live with them and not be obsessed. Um, that's that's the plan that you have to follow. Um, uh, uh, in the in the food addiction world, where we're not necessarily using intermittent fasting, I mean, I tend to see that as a medical intervention, like for diabetes and uh, sugar. Which, by the way, most so many people in our society have. I think it's uh, Robert Lustig who just published his book on. Uh, on a metab- the, the sort of disease of, of the world, he said like 80% of us have metabolic syndrome, which includes diabetes or the beginnings of it. Um, so intermittent fasting may well be the essential first step just to set, reset the, the whole sugar profile, sugar insulin profile. Um, but aside from that, um, the idea of how do I manage my obsession um, you can do three meals a day. I, I do not think grazing is a good idea. I do think that there should be a window of time when you're not eating. I, we're both in agreement with that. Um, but I, I'm uh, of the mindset that whatever meal plans you follow, that you follow them and that there's nothing in between. Like it's, it's uh, um, you do want to have a time when, like you said, the debating society is is quiet. I'm not eating now, so I'm not even thinking about it. And if I am thinking about it, well, what did I eat last night? What did what am I, what have I done that is keeping this obsession going? Because it should be quiet. Yeah, I like I think, that. That's we, that's a good thing for you to say. Is that when it's time for you to eat, then we can start thinking. Okay, like this is what I'm going to have. But yes. but your food voice and your food noise should yes. be quiet. It can't be all day thinking about food, no. obsessing about food. We've got to get to that food serenity and keeping yes. that noise quiet during the other yeah. times that we're not eating. Absolutely. And if you're going to do intermittent fasting, then that I think that's one marker along with other ones that you have to listen to. Otherwise, it will feel like deprivation. And then that, how long can we live in that state? Not long. And then what's going to end up happening, which I bet happens to a lot of people, like I don't think people should do intermittent fasting on their own entirely. Like I just, I, it, it, you can, there's just too many pitfalls. And one of them can be um, that you're, you end up starving and then you end up binging after so that when you do get to eat, you eat way too much and uh, it's not of the right foods and that's not helping you. 
I agree. People who do have eating disorders or have sugar addictions, they might need to make their windows a little bit longer so that they're never getting to the point that they're so, so ravenous that then they just start making really bad decisions of what to eat. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're out of time, but tell listeners about your books and about where they can find you and where they can follow you. Um, Okay, so I have my book, uh, Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction, um, and that you can get that on Amazon. Um, I have my website, uh, uh, addictionsunplugged.com. I have also a podcast called Food Junkies Podcast that I do with a couple of other people. Um, And I finally have a Facebook group called I'm Sweet Enough, Sugar Free for Life. And there's the focus on the obsession of sugar. And there's a lot of people who follow intermittent fasting and keto on that, as long as, as well as some vegans. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us and sharing your story and sharing your knowledge. We really, really appreciate it. And you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.